Welcome to today's podcast of Center of the Station. This is Pat LaRusso. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Anthony Sino and Lucas Ugenti. Welcome, gentlemen. How's it going, Pat? Lucas, uh, great to talk to you guys. Uh, the Leafs are coming off a hot streak, so it's always great to talk Leafs with you guys when uh, when the boys are rolling and also even when they're doing shitty, but we'll always take a W when we can. Yeah, it's a little... A little more positive, a little more fun, or is a little better in the chat when we uh after a good yep. loose week. Yeah, no, less arguing. Less exactly. less pointing. Yeah. Less, less less uh, you know, torches burning, less people we want to trade. It's it's Leafs Nation is is a much happier group as a as a as a whole, and I guess in, in its majority, because there is still that vocal minority. Um, that seems to lately seem to be moving the goalposts. You know, you know, one instance, it's like the regular season doesn't matter. That's when the Leafs are winning. And then when they're losing, it's, oh, my God, they're not going to make the playoffs. So it, uh, it's kind of nice to have something to positive to kind of, you know, look back on, a, especially on a very hectic week. Because didn't they play almost every second day last week? Um, I know they had a yeah. pretty busy schedule. Almost, I think. I think, yeah, they had Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, so right. Like four, and then four games. Yeah, there, wow. it's gonna be it's gonna be busy though. The Olympics are coming, right? So, I think it. I'm pretty. I haven't looked at the schedule on a whole. I know they're going out to California soon, but they. Uh, I think I. I would expect every other day there's gonna be a game for a long period of time now. Maybe over the Christmas break, a little slower. But uh, it's 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 all it's all, uh, all the wheels are up and running basically until the playoffs with uh, with a three week Olympic break. Fingers crossed that they actually go. Have they said more. if if the league decides not to go to to the Olympics because of COVID, how that would impact the schedule? I think what I read is that what I read is that there's a second schedule that's going to come out if they opt out. And I think they have until january something to, to opt out it. yeah and, and actually well now uh, th- thanks to yeah, our uh, thanks to our great friends north of uh toronto in ontario our friendly uh ottawa senators getting covid and it's not a it's not their fault right they're all I'm, i believe they're all fully vaccinated so it's really not their fault anyways uh they but they have a great outbreak right and because they've had to postpone games they've now uh they've now open the door i believe the nhl had reserved the right to uh post like uh, opt out of the olympic participation if they were forced to postpone games due to a covid outbreak in their like in any team yeah because i believe they don't the NA, the nhl doesn't want to play any regular season games in the month of may so which is fine which is yeah so that's yeah, yeah. they reserve their right i really want to see them go i don't think three games postponed by ottawa is going to affect everyone going and i know i i I, in an alternate world where you kind of want to see the world burn i bet i would imagine that if they ever if they do opt out especially now with all the hype and you the big players are starting to get asked about it you can even see in leafs press conferences like even today Tavares getting asked about it campbell matthews all those guys uh, like if they don't go i'm the players would just be absolutely livid and i think it would put uh it would definitely stir up some interesting conversation around the league, but not to get off too far of a tangent, I want to see them go. But uh, overall, I don't think it's going to affect anything Leafs related um, because that's that secondary schedule is already planned out. Uh, and I'm sure that'll, uh, that'll come out when uh, in January, if it, if it, if it happens. So. But uh, I guess, you know, we should kind of start on, you know, the improvement of overall team play, because, you know, I know when the Leafs limped out of the gates, there was like the power play wasn't, you know, as strong as it is now. Um, some of the defensive numbers weren't the greatest. Um, and then they were really late to start a lot of games. Um, and it just feels like lately they've come out to play um, more consistently than, than, than they did to start the year. Um, I guess before we kind of nitpick, I um, just want to kind of get both of your gentlemen's overall view 
as to you know what the biggest difference is between the Leafs from games one to what ten to where we're at now. Um, if I'm being honest with you, it's it's tough for me personally to say there's necessarily been a difference. Rather than they're just playing Leafs hockey now, it, it's almost as if the, the rust has completely fallen off and they're actually in full mid-season form, which makes sense. We're pushing two months into the season, a month and a half into the season, so it's about time. Um, truthfully, though, they're, they're playing great hockey throughout. The, the top six is playing good. The bottom six is playing good. The D is playing good. And Campbell's been lights out. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory in itself. You're going to win a lot of games and a goalie's not allowing a lot of goals. And, and the fact that the top six are doing exactly what they were paid to do. And the bottom six is chipping in in every way they can. Um, obviously there's their problems. N- nobody's perfect. Nothing's perfect, but for the most part, it's manageable and it's shown on the ice. I, I, I agree. Um, I, I think that uh, what we're seeing here is a, is a team that's tr- kind of starting to find their identity. Um, I think a lot, it was almost like everything was going wrong for the team to start the start the year um their new guys weren't finding their way the stars weren't producing um you had some decent goaltending but you had another goalie who was hurt uh he got like Mrazic gets hurt in his second period of action and then you got um and mainly it came again I'm, I'm I might be repeating myself but it came down to the stars just not finding the back of the net and and uh and now you're seeing kind of them almost hitting on all cylinders, right? You got the stars producing. You we're starting to see a third line emerge in Toronto, uh, like that's really, really providing some tremendous value to to steal the exact words out of Sheldon Keefe. Like those, like that third line is really clicking with Camp and Engvall and Kasha, um, and then you got the big boys clicking on the power play. I, I would like to see a little bit more five five v five production from from our team, uh, specifically our, our our big guns. But I'm, most of that is tied to just a lack of shooting percentage. Like Austin Matthews isn't going to continue to shoot at six percent on five on five. Um, but overall, I think you're fine. You're seeing a team that's really just starting to find their identity and, and, and really locking it down. I believe I saw a stat today that they're seven and oh this season after leading after two and they're making, and they've come out and said like, they're making a point of saying like the game should be over when it's they're up going into the third period. And that's, and that's what a cup contending team uh, should feel like when that, when that game, when they're up going into the third period, it should be over and the other team should feel like it's over. And uh, if they can continue that, that is a, that's a major, major step into, uh, in, into playoff success. So let's hope that continues. For me, it, it, I, the biggest difference is, is I think they started the year with some playoff hangover. Like, and I know you and, you know, Anthony, you and I had this conversation about how I felt that what was ailing them to start the year was confidence. And it just seems like since that game in Chicago where they stormed back, they've been a different team. You know, like Mitch looks like he's having fun again. You know, they're smiling, they're laughing. Um, you know, even just watching Austin, you know, give the gears to Justin Hall and kind of be a little bit more assertive on the bench. You know, we're seeing a different team, more confident team. Um, and, they, and they're back to really enjoy playing with one another. And then the other big thing for me is that third line. They finally have a legit shutdown third line. And now all of a sudden they're chipping in goals. Like I think what camp has now doubled his production from last year with his two goals. Yeah. So camp is on pace for like 15 goals this year, which he probably won't get to, but I would have took 10. I think he had one. One. He might not have actually scored. (laughs) He he might, I, I, I might be overstating that. Let me take, a quick second i'm pretty sure it's one but yeah i'm sure it, was it might, one. It, it might be zero it might oh. be zero hold on give me a second uh no it was one it was one goal. it was one it's, it's weird to and, see and a guy to... it's weird to see a guy come to the leafs and play good instead of leaving the leafs and play good yeah yeah it, it... but he was always <laughs> exactly. sneaky good like i remember like when we first got him like i hadn't I, i'll be completely frank I, didn't, I had no idea who the hell this guy was and then I started reading some of the scouting reports out of Chicago. 
And it's like they loved him. Like you could stack him up against any of the top players from some of the rival clubs, and he was able to shut them down. So this additional yeah. element of being able to score is all gravy. Because really, that's what hurt Toronto yeah. last year. Montreal. Montreal had Deneau. Toronto didn't have a Deneau. And could Cam well, yeah, be Pat, sorry. Equivalent? Since you just mentioned Deneau there, I'm going to quote someone, uh, a, a guy that I, I like to follow on Twitter. is a really smart hockey guy, a former employee of the Leafs. His name is Jack Hahn. Um, he actually wrote a piece and it, it's linked to his Twitter. I'm sure if you just search his name and, and like search Jack Hahn, uh, David Camp, they write, he wrote like a quick little blog on um, him being an, uh, an, uh, like a, not like a data analyst, like a video analyst for the Leafs. And he was tasked with scouting David Camp a few years ago for the Leafs and seeing if there was a trade there because they saw what, Philip Deneau was doing in Montreal. And he even mentions that the Leafs tried to go and get Deneau a couple of years ago, but thought it was unrealistic seeing as Montreal was uh, unlikely to trade one of their best centers to a rival club. But so they went and found other avenues of a player like Deneau and they came across a guy like David Kampf. And now they finally get to sign him in free agency and it looks to be paying off some huge dividends early. And I'll actually bring up something that I was talking to uh, a friend of mine about earlier today in a group chat. And, and he, he basically uh, snipped a, like or screenshotted the, uh, a quote from Sheldon Keefe saying that uh, Kasha and camp are bringing tremendous value to the Leafs. And my, this said friend said like, Oh, they only have like six points in 14 games and Kasha's got like eight points in 14 games or whatever. Like how is that value? And to me, and, and I clapped back and I said, well, their value is not necessarily on the score sheet. I think what their value is, is that they tilt the ice is that yeah. they, they are basically given the toughest assignment every night. You're going to get 90% D zone starts every night. You're not starting in the ozone, every D zone faceoff, Like that's you. I believe camp is at, let me look it up quickly. He's starting in the offensive zone only 13% of the time which is like dead last in the, on the team, him and Kasha, literally like that Engvall line is 13, 15 and 17% all like all respectively. So they are getting all D zone starts and they end their shifts in the offensive zone. So for you to be doing that as a line, you're putting the entire team in a better situation, right? You're able to start off in a very disadvantageous position and you tilt the ice in the Leafs' favor, and that's really like all you can ask for, and more yeah. from the from your third line. You know what I mean? Get the de- tough defensive zone assignment, and and tilt the ice, and l- allow your big guys to come on for an offensive zone faceoff, or have the puck hemmed in the offensive zone, and have your big guys come over the boards on a change on the fly. And the production, I guess, is just gravy on top. But they need to continue to do this. That, like they, I don't know if Engvall is going to stick. I hope, I think that they're going to try Mikheyev there at some point once he gets healthy. But if they can just find that third line, like they tried to with Kerfoot and Hyman and Mikheyev last year, they need to continue this. You know what well, I this mean? Is good. I, this is I like really this. good. This is really good. Like, and I, w- I, I am for one that I, I don't see a place for Engvall. Um, I would drop. Neither Mikheyev does Keith, it line. sounds like. Right, like I'm, I'm big on dropping McKayev on that third line. He's got the speed, and hopefully he can find his shot again. Um, but he's great. You know, he can kill penalties. Um, you know, he's also really good on the defensive end of the puck. And if that's all he brings, so be it, because that means that our top two lines aren't focused on defense, and they can start playing to their strengths. You know what I mean? Like I just to have an ineffective third and fourth line. I think you know when you start to look back, especially the last couple of seasons you're starting to see where that glaring need was. And if Kasha and Kemp can continue to bring this, Toronto's going to be a much different team come playoffs. Just win your shift. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they just got to, they got to win their shift, especially when they're up against a bottom six line. But I think the real test is going to be like, how, are, how can they do this against a really strong offensive line? Like, I don't, I don't know if you, maybe Lucas, if you remember chime in, but 
like I don't the, the Boston series, I think they got matched up against the Bergeron line a bit because they were at home and they did really well. Um, but I think that if they need to, I need to see more of, of them against like the truly best lines in the league. Like I'm uh, sad enough that Barkov actually got hurt. I think he had an MCL injury recently. Uh, but I want to see that camp line against one of the top lines in Florida. I want to see him against like Washington, all, all the, all those other great teams. And I want to see them do it more um, because it's just a huge advantage to be able to have a line that can, you could just throw out there and just like not worry about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that uh, it, it's, it's really just found gold and, and clearly Keith trusts them. And they're also just a feel good story, right? Like camp and Kasha are like old school friends. Uh, I think they've been friends almost for life. So uh, I, I'm very impressed with them. I think that what they're going to do is, like you said, Pat, they're going to look to bring Engvall or, uh, out of the lineup and bring Mikheyev in. But you, I think there's just a bit of a logjam up front. I'm very interested to see what happens at forward. I think, Pat, we've talked about for the last few weeks um, that they have to be looking at a defenseman in a trade. Yeah. But... I also am not going to start. I'm, I'm just, I was looking at it more in depth for a, a blog that I'm writing. I just, I can definitely see them make, making a move for a forward as well. So I, I really don't, it, it's very up in the air right now. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very surprised at, or I'll, I'll be very surprised if they don't make a move at both positions come the trade deadline. Yeah. But that means subtracting from their starting lineup. That's yeah. The well, thing. you're right so who is it going to be i i i think it's going to be nick ritchie and or Engvall, um and then one of the defensemen german or hall free up some cash and yeah then, but where's nick ritchie go nick ritchie for a seventh round pick somewhere yeah dump him i, Arizona. I think Arizona's, i think they're not uh, yeah. i really hope that they like see the thing I, again like i gotta just stick to i think i just gotta double down on nick ritchie i told you guys before the season that I just don't want to evaluate him until playoffs. Like, look, it's tough to real, it's tough to defend a guy who hasn't scored a goal. I think in seventeen games, and he's got like one five on five point, and it's like a secondary assist or something. Like, Richie is clearly like just he's become the villain, not the villain. I don't want to use that word. He's become the guy that everyone looks at. Yeah, he's like, a lightning like, rod. What's not not even a lightning rod? I think it's the word is like what you know how everyone has that friend in a friend group where they're like the, the guy does something stupid and like oh classic jeff yeah. or you know what i mean like it's like when richie does something oh classic richie you know what i mean he's that guy and i think like it, it doesn't help when you take stupid penalties but i do appreciate that keith is actually benching him when he's doing that because hopefully it, it he learns not to do that i just i don't know i think he's got something in his game that I know that he's, he can bring something in a, in a certain type of playoff series. You know what I mean? I don't want to see him go if, if it's not like, unless it's absolutely necessary, unless you can bring like a truly impactful top six forward. You know what I mean? If you can bring in someone like that, that is clearly better than Kerfoot, Bunting, McKay any of your current left wing options, like, it's not, it's not an unlikely guy, but last year, a guy that was likely like an Alex Iafalo, if you could have brought a guy in like him, then I would be like, okay, Nick Ritchie, done with you. See you later. I'll drive you to the airport. But right now, I don't sense that they're looking to make that type of impactful move. Uh, so in with that being said, I kind of want – I just want to keep Ritchie because at, even though he's $2.5 million, like if he's $2.5 million on the fourth line in the playoffs, like no one cares. The cap's gone in the playoffs. You know what I mean? I don't care what you make just be effective in your role. And I actually thought that he was pretty good on that fourth line with Spezza and Simmons. So I don't know. It's he's a very confusing player yeah, right now, but good is good is incredibly subjective. Like what, what you're talking, yeah, what's he good. What's like good. We're not talking. We're not talking actually productive everyday NHL or fourth liner, even fourth liner, really. Like what, what did he do? Man, he made a couple of good hits and he had a shot or two on net. And he had I a fight against the last I night think, against Nashville. Like I like I like uh, that play that he did. Uh, yeah, when he fought last night. Yeah, yeah, he fought last night against McCarron. 
he he that see to Good me fight. he won the fight you, Unbelievable. you know what i like about richie i like that he is he's a guy that could uh, it's it's awful to say but pat we talked about this before he can make a hit where everyone on the other team is just like okay like that was like he he plays on that line he? he's like naz but he doesn't have the reputation of naz on unfortunate and i don't want to get on the topic of uh kadri and and basically like why he got suspended for the things that he did, because I just think that the league, he has like such a bad reputation that I thought was frankly unwarranted, but I think that Richie can make those hits. I, I do like he, he has hit guys really hard and you're like, Holy shit. Okay. I like that. And I think that he's pretty good around the net. They're just not falling for him. I believe, I think he's shooting at like a really shitty percentage. Like I it's okay. Well, it's actually obviously 0% and he's going to find it <laughs> like he's his honest <laughs> shooting percentage is his honest shooting percentage is 1.09% right now. That's last in the league guys. Like he's not going to continue on that pace. But, so what okay, you're saying is there's only up. Why not? For him like, like I'm saying there's only up for him right now. Like, look at the end, like I said, you just, like, if they can find something, if they can find something tangibly better, to use that two and a half million dollars for. And I mean, like you trade Richie and Angval and that frees up like three and a half million or something like that. And you get like a player that's much better than like a guy like Kerfoot, who's currently doing really well in the top six. Then you're like, okay, that's make the deal. But I don't know well, of anyone right now that's going to, but they might have one in the system. Well, who? Joshua Hosang. Yeah, but he's not three and a half million dollars. And, and like, but I don't well, see what you do is- you can trade the two, bring him up, and then whatever cap savings, reinvest it in the defenseman. Because that really defense sure. is where they're ailing, right? And really, like I'm not keeping Nick Ritchie because if we saw anything in last year's playoffs, it was Wayne Simmons wasn't effective. Like we we really do need to start looking at our third and fourth line differently, and we need it to be more than just Jason Spezza showing up come playoffs. Yeah, that's fine, but I think that. I, I'm not going to look at last year's playoff and say like, Oh, Wayne Simmons. And um, who, like, okay, let's, I'm just thinking of Wayne Simmons and Jason Spezza weren't the reason why we lost. We lost no, because no, our no. big guys didn't show up. And then yeah. like, I think like you, I'm trying to think pragmatically about like a longer run. I know it's like such a stupid idea to think about like three or four rounds worth of playoff games in Toronto when we literally sell our soul for, four wins in the first round but Wayne Simmons and Nick Ritchie those guys are like you have to try and just find line combinations of players with within the organization right now that can just like be useful against certain teams and I do think that maybe like maybe it's not Simmons and Ritchie on the same line at once but like one game it's it's Ritchie one game it's Simmons like there there's guys that can come fill in and fill a role in the playoffs like I'm just not willing to write off Richie yet because I don't think that there's an obvious solution. And I know you mentioned Josh Hosang, uh, Pat, but like, I'm, I'm not willing to, I'm not confident enough in Hosang right now. He needs to get his chance. Yeah. He needs to get his chance in the NHL before I can say, all right, like he's a lock top six left winger in the playoffs first round. You know what I mean? We tried to do that with Galchenyuk and it didn't work. So yeah, but we need to, yeah, but we need to give him a run. Hosang clearly has a higher ceiling than Galchenyuk. Well, I don't know. I, I think that's I don't I don't know if that's for sure. Because it was never talent. It was always attitude with him. Well, Galchenyuk always had talent too. Like Galchenyuk produced a lot in Toronto. It's just he was it just didn't work out fully there. And like I, I don't think that I'm not saying that Hosang can't work. They eventually need to get him into some games, and I think they will. Because like, I'm sure they're, the yeah, it'll, it'll come. Like he's he's definitely going to get some NHL games this year, but until that happens, I'm not penciling him into a playoff lineup. You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, right now, when I look at a, a Leafs playoff lineup and I start to fill the slots, I'm not thinking of Josh Hosang right now in the top twelve. I, I I just can't right now because I've seen how many times have we talked about guys that are tearing up the AHL that just like they don't work yet. I, I, I think that he needs a, he deserves a chance, but I can't confidently say he's in the playoff lineup game one right now. I, I, for me, it's just where are they going to get the money for the defenseman? 
because that's their that's where their hole is. They need they need a Bogosian. They need that stay at home. Like they need a Josh Manson. Well, I, yeah, I was here. thinking about that guy too, Josh Manson. There's a guy. Who else is there? There is. Uh, I was looking him like, up today. They like got what Josh would it cost? Colin Miller in Buffalo, Anton Strawman in Arizona. Those are the, that's like just a veteran stable guy. But Strawman makes five point five million. Yeah, no, like you're, you're going to need guys to you're going to need guys that you're going to need retained salary on a lot of these guys, even Manson. Like the right hand, Mark Pissick, I can see them going after. He plays for Buffalo. I think they're actually going to go after Mark Pissick. He makes nine hundred grand, so I definitely see him as a trade deadline uh, target. Who else do they got? Erica Branson, maybe if Calgary starts to fizz out. There's a bunch of guys that that they can go after, but nothing that's going to make like a tan. I think that probably the no, most man. realistic and most impactful guy is a guy like Josh Manson. So, if that's the case then you're looking at starting to try and fill holes, right? So right now I'm on cap friendly and I just, I traded, I, I basically took the salaries of Dermot, Richie, Engvall and Mikheyev off the lineup. And I have Mrazek back. And now you're looking at filling two left wing spots and that's it. And you have about 6.11 million to do it. So they have money to fill spots if they were to trade guys like Engvall, Mikheyev, Richie, and Dermot. So all those guys, if they look to move them, you can definitely bring in someone really impactful, but it's a matter of just finding the right fit. So if they can find a guy that's the right fit for like 4 million. It's also a matter of playing a trade partner. Like, like, Let's not pretend like everyone's going to be chomping at the bit to get Nick Richie. Yeah, well, you would, it would have, have to be. A, it is. I no, mean, I'm, you're selling. I'm, I'm you're thinking, selling him at a negative value at that point. Well, he's at a negative value. He's playing at a negative value. Yeah, exactly. Right. Value. Like you just got to. Sw- I think you just got to cut your loss. But you know what? Point. You know what? I don't understand. Listen, I'm all in on cutting your loss too. I mean, we can completely get off the Nick Ritchie train. Like we spent way too much time talking about a fourth liner. Yeah. But, fair enough. But my last point on him is, regardless if he's a playoff player or not, you have to do something day in and yeah. day out to earn your spot on a starting roster that's and fair you hear you hear all these players talk about it. you hear you hear paul biznet talking about it you just hear anybody who goes on these interviews with these nhlers talking about the grind of being a fourth liner and maybe nick Ritchie does have some some skill that he just hasn't been able to show because it's evident when he gets you know four five six shots on net that the potential is there it's just maybe the luck is in and everything yeah, it's a, together at it's once a, it's a combination of bad puck luck and, and, sure that's fine and, and not being to that great and all that stuff like yeah it's nothing's that's going well to happen right now. but here's the thing and other than that fight the other night like you, you talked about him having the potential or the or the possibility of making a big hit that could change a game or or put the other team on notice i haven't seen that i haven't seen him dump the puck in and completely put a guy through the glass okay the odd time he gets mm-hmm. a good hit on a good on a guy that's not really expecting it I'm talking a full Tom Wilson. I'm talking a full Matt Martin uh, Reeves. You know he's on the ice when he's on the ice. Because to be honest with you, if I don't hear the announcer call his name, I don't. I don't see him on the ice. He's That's not fair. taking the puck from the D zone to the O zone. He's I not, think he's taking he's a spot. Deep, right? Like, sure, pick your spot. Yeah, for feels a like he's a bookmark too. Like I, right? I see him as a bookmark. Like I don't see it. Like if he were producing, you know, if he were like weren't taking stupid penalties. You know, like we've seen over the last couple of games, um, you know, then then I would see value. But I, I just I'm not seeing him on the score sheet. And then when I look at the box scores, you know, he's he's taken a you know a tripping penalty or you know what I mean or just I, just something. And it just it just I, I I'm really struggling with him when there's some kids on the Marley that you know based on their start of the year deserve at least a look. I I I. I... I can't argue that guys. I can't, I, unfortunately, like I, I, I know it's a stupid, stupid stance to take where like, I, I think that they should keep them and, and, and at the same time, can't speak to how well he's played because he really hasn't done a lot, but I think it right now, like Pat, unfortunately, uh, his confidence is probably just at an all time low. Right. And, and to quote you from a few episodes ago, when we were talking about the confidence of the group and, and you talked about a guy like Marner, who I was like, Frank advocating for just go as hard as you can on the guy, because he frankly hasn't brought it. 
at the time. And you're like, maybe he's going through something. Maybe he's, he's got it. It's all between the ears, that kind of thing. Like I I'm, I think we, Nick Ritchie deserves that, that I don't want to say excuse, but he deserves to be uh, looked at in the same vein. And I think I that. I struggle with that though. Why? Because the puck's not going in for him right now, Pat. Like, like Mitch, but, for example, like we, we said the same thing about Mitch Marner when I said like he hasn't scored in 18 playoff games. He hasn't scored a goal in 18 playoff games. And you're like, well, like he's probably doing like he's obviously going through a confidence issue right now. Like, I'm sure that Richie's going through the same thing. Yeah, but Richie's for not all- supposed to score. Sorry, yeah, Pat, I'll, I'll let you hop in here, but Richie's not supposed yeah. to score. I'm not expecting Richie to score a goal a game. I'm expecting well, Richie if he was scoring, it, no one would be taught if he was scoring. Uh, if he scored on some of the chances that he did, no one That's would be exactly. talking about. Yeah, but Anthony, if Nick Ritchie had two goals this year, two goals, two goals and two assists, I promise you no one's saying anything. I'm not asking for five. I'm asking for two. Okay, but yeah, That's but what I'm I saying. Guess, I guess, the, like I guess if, the way if the I interpret the way went his way. It, the way I interpret if, it was yeah, that you were sorry, talking about so, him being consistent, right? So I, I'm thinking he's at four or five goals by now, the way, the way you were no. – Look, explaining that yeah okay so I'll, I'll reword what i'm saying at the end of the day or, or I'll, I'll just reword that initial point ideally anyone in a role that's not the big four if you're not scoring you better have a different role like you better ha- bring something like but then what and, is that so so him? in saying that i think that uh, maybe it's a guy like richie is a guy that needs to feel like he's contributing a little bit offensively before he can bring that extra something and and I'll and look, I'll I'll stand by the fact that if a few a few of the goals went in, we're probably talking about a guy who looks a lot different because if he's scoring a bit, he's not talking about the goals going in. He's probably just talking about just going on to the media. I'm saying he's talking about going out, playing his game, being hard on the forecheck, having plays not die on a stick, that type of thing. And I'm willing to give him a little bit more of a run here, like Sheldon Keefe is. I'm not. I don't think he's shown something so drastic that you need to trade him right now for negative value. You know what I mean? Because I'm what if, sure, what if I'm the value sure, is cap space? Okay, but what are you doing with that cap space at that at this moment right now? Is what they I'm saying. To, I would. I'm at a point with this team that I don't want to see them do these. Like, let's hope for. You know, like they went out and got hot in that last year's trade deadline. Like, I would rather have them figure out the salary cap and drop a guy in that we know is going to play in the playoffs in the bottom two and then figure out the defense. Because Justin Hall is not a solution. Travis Dermott is not a solution. If we're starting the playoffs with one or both somewhere in our top four or even in our top six in defense, we're going to be having the exact same conversation that we did when they lost to Montreal. That's why I'm, I'm of the thought is if you're going to swing for the fences and bring a viable defenseman in that, you know, that you can rely on you, you bring that guy in ASAP, get him used to the system, figure out who his defensive partner is going to be like, is it Sandin? Is it Lilligren? Does Lilligren go back because Sandin's been playing that much better? Like, I want to know what the top six defense is and then figure out the depth later. Like, get the guy in the system, whoever it is. Get this defense going and, well, then, Clint, and then figure everything else out after. I think that's perfect, Pat. I, I would do that as well, but I don't know if they found the guy yet. If they're looking for a defenseman, they clearly haven't found the guy yet because I think that um, – Maybe it's a combination of accruing cap space. I'm sure the fact that Mrazic's on IR right now is delaying it, right? Like I think, because remember, when you're in LTIR, you can't accrue cap space. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if they trade for someone right now when Mrazic's on IR, they need to be at the max. It just, it limits them. You know what I mean? Plus they got Mikheyev on IR, all that stuff. It's probably limiting them right now. So with that being said, it's probably strangleholding any conversation they're having of bringing anyone that's relatively impactful in at this moment. I thought the one Talk article to me around in December, Dermot, and then maybe it's there. No, see, I thought the the article around Dermot and Hall is that that there's that now they're trying to build up that marketplace for for one of them. 
Well, I'm that sure. Yeah, just, it's just early conversations. You know, it's what early I mean? conversations. Like, like yeah. I, I, that's what I suspect is that they're just trying to get their name out there. Clearly, they're trying to showcase both of them because they're yeah. giving them both a chance to play. Like, uh, like I believe, I don't suspect that Lilligren. I'm going to the game tomorrow or t- right. tonight. By the time this podcast is out, I was really hoping to see Lilligren play. And it doesn't look like, by based off the line combinations, that he's going to play because they're playing Dermot again. And oh, I'm sorry, right? But like, I don't Lil- agree with that. Yeah, like, I don't agree I, with I, it Sheldon either. Like, Lil- Lilligren should play. It has to be a meritocracy, right? You play Lilligren. You play him <laughs> until you play him until you can't play that kid anymore. I know, but it's a business decision, clearly, because they're oh, clearly, clearly yeah, they're yeah, showcasing. Like it's, they're showcasing oh, yeah, they're, both they're of them. Showcasing, they're showcasing Hall and Dermot, and then they're yeah. they're going to figure out what the market is. And then trade the one that gets in the better return. Now, Pat, just to bring, I don't want to get too off topic here, but you mentioned meritocracy. What's your, I know this is a hot button topic when all, all three of us get in a call here, but what's your, what's your uh, thoughts on uh, the Buffalo game when they, they benched, uh, when Keith benched uh, Nylander? I think I, I, I'm, I'm on your side here, just for the record. I, I think that it's kind of bullshit. I think it's I, bullshit. I, like, like we've seen other players have really shitty games and it's not to excuse Nylander's really shitty game. Cause there was that one play and I'm like, Willie buddy, you're killing me where he just passed it across the ice and Buffalo yeah. went, like, I think it was in the neutral zone where he made this like behind the back pass to like no one. And then Buffalo brought it into the offensive zone. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, get I remember it. that play, but also I think the reason why he actually got benched was the, the tying goal for Buffalo, like the Dallin goal where he was just out to lunch and, and he missed his assignment and, like, and he benched him. And, but that makes and no it's sense so stupid. Me. Yeah. Like it's one bad shift or a couple bad shifts over a 17 game, you know, stretch and he gets benched. And like, you know, I've, I'm of the thought that, you know, Mitch Marner had a really bad start to the year. I didn't see his ice time get cut. I didn't see yeah. him miss any shifts. It just it, seems like with this kid, and he, and then they, they, they don't even mask it. You know what well, I, I mean? I think it's because it's clearly a difference of personalities. And, and Lucas might be able to speak to this to, uh, as well. Cause I know Lucas has played a lot of sports as a, as a, in his youth as well. I say youth as, as if Lucas is 40, but. Um, <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with 40. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You're talking to him. As, fi- 50. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, we'll right. 50. Yeah, yeah. 50. We'll, we'll go 50. 50. But we'll go 50. like. I think what the, the way that keeps doing is that like different guys need, need to be disciplined or, or spoken to or handled in different ways. Like John Cooper, who I think is one of the best, it one of is the best coach in the NHL. He always says you, you don't, you have to treat everyone fairly, but you don't have to treat everyone equally. And I don't like the wording might imply here that, that again, it still doesn't make sense why they bench Nylander and they don't bench a guy like Matthews or Taveras or Marner. But I think it just has to do with the personality of the player. And Keith even came out and said like, Willie wants someone, a coach to be hard on him, which then makes me think like, does Mitch not want, does Mitch want to be coddled? Like, do you, do you know what I mean? It makes me, yeah, it makes that's me think. So like, like look, I don't know. It's just, it's annoying. Like, it's just annoying. For me, for me, my takeaway with Marner going back with Matthews is why are we playing with something that wasn't broken? The Leafs were like eight and one with Nylander with Matthews and Tavares with Marner. Keith like, just has that in his brain. It's it, no, it's one of I, it's one of the most legit, frustrating things. It's like no, I he came in. No, I think it's Marner. No, I think, I think I it's got to be Keith too because Keith came no. in. Pat, the moment Keith came in, he put those two together. The the first game that he start that that he coached the, this team. And he like almost never looked back. I frankly don't get it, but like I don't. I know. wonder how much of it's Mitch and his camp. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna. Nylander I'm not gonna speculate on that. I'm not gonna for speculate having such on that, a good but... year. But the optics are there. Like Nealon was having one hell of a start to the year, and people now were just coming around on Mitch. You know what I mean? And it's like it was like a little leak from last year after the playoffs, and like, you know. Marner didn't want to play the bumper and he didn't, you know, he didn't like the fact yeah, but that the, that came from a credible source, right? Right. Right now we're just making it up that Marner is, but, is, but is it's not hard it. to, it, but there's, it's yeah. not hard to, in, you know, to come to that conclusion when a, a reputable source last year after the playoffs said that 
Mitch was essentially calling the shots on the power play. So well, look, if it is like that, then they have that, bigger problems. You know, but right, like, like, and it's not to say that you know he's a cancer or he's you know he's really bad in the room. I don't see that to be the case. I think that that would be an over exaggeration of what I'm saying. Um, but I, I think that there's certain players on that roster that that have a little bit more sway when it comes to roster decisions and how things get played out and how where plays get run through. Um, and I just, I think that. Did we just lose Pat? There. Um, uh, I'm still here. Might have. We might have just lost Pat. Pat, Luke, do you want to carry on until Pat gets back? Or Pat, you there? Yeah, I'm sure he'll pipe in. I'm sure he'll pipe in when he hears me talking. Go ahead, Luke. As long as, like, at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I think that the benching of Willie was, was kind of sus. I didn't love it. I didn't think he necessarily deserved it. You're allowed to have a bad game after doing after starting the way he started. Like I'm, I'm not saying you're allowed to have a bad game and not be punished, but you don't have to be necessarily embarrassed. I mean, at the end of the day, they're hockey players. You get benched is what it is. Maybe embarrassed isn't the right ter- right word, but no one wants to be benched, especially on the Leafs, because you hear about that for about three weeks. I yeah. mean, look, we're still talking about it, so so it's obviously yeah. a problem. But uh, I don't know if Pat was trying to talk to her or not, but. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think he also needs to keep. Also needs to set a point. I think we hear you a little bit, Pat. Yeah. Yeah, you're a little, you're a little uh, scratchy there. I agree. With, I agree uh, with you though, Luke. Wait, wait. And- right, he needs to set a point. And, and at the end of the day, Ant, he's he's not going to sit an eleven $11 million dollar guy. Like it's a lot harder to sit Matthews than uh, the Nylander right now. And and like you said to your earlier point about treating everyone uh, fair but not equal. You sit down, Matthews. That that generally could cause a lot of problems, and and maybe Nylander can handle a little bit more. I, I don't think Marner necessarily wants to be coddled. Maybe Marner just doesn't want to be screamed at. And uh, listen, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it when the coach got in my face. It is what it is. I I thought that was the way you were supposed to be coached. Maybe mm-hmm. he learned a different way. So at the end of the day, you're right. No one really knows what goes on in that locker room. But I kind of side on the on the fence where it's. Maybe Keith just enjoys changing things up. Maybe he's sitting here like, listen, these guys are all so good. It doesn't matter who I put with who. They're going to score. And it, it, it's pretty evident. Okay, yeah, there's, there's ups and downs. And it's gonna be, there's going to be ups and downs throughout the season, no matter who you're playing with. But for the most part, man, whoever, whoever's playing in that top six, whoever's playing with who, points are, being, are to be happened and, and the goals are going in. And I don't see too much of a problem with it, truthfully. Yeah, I, I, I can – like like you said, personally, I, I didn't mind if the coach got in my face. Like, I kind of thrived off that because you kind of want to just prove him wrong. It kind of lit a fire under your ass. But the it, it's it's totally different for each person. And you kind of get the vibe with Willie. Like, he, he knows that he needs to be kept in check. And he also just has that kind of aloof attitude where, like, he doesn't take anything to offense. Where it's very clear that Marner, exactly. Marner, yeah, the Marner gets, like, Marner's and I don't mean this in a, in an offensive way, but I have no other way to say it. And then other than he's like, he's a little bit softer between the ears where like, he really takes to heart what's said about him, whether it's with the fan base, like he, he, he has admitted it in his social, like he's like, he gets off social media. He gets all that. He does. He really wears it. You know what I mean? Yeah, He internalizes it. He internalizes. Whereas Willie doesn't at all. So, so there's obviously a, 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 they're probably like total polar opposite guys in that perspective, which is probably leading to the totally different treatment of them when they play bad. Yeah. Pat, you so boys, can you hear me back? I don't, yep. You can hear me now, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. Perfect. My apologies. I was having some technical difficulties with, uh, with my system here, but no, I, I see all those points are very valid. Um, but the way I always looked at it is, is, is through the lens of the local media. And we already know that there's a certain portion of the media that Nylander can do no right by. And then it becomes this, like, it's almost like that snowball that's going down a mountain. You know what I mean? And then it gets picked up by, you know, some other mark, you know, some other groups within the fan base. And then it becomes something that just gets talked about ad nauseum on social media. And then on the, on the sports talk radio shows, um, I was like, oh my God, you know, Neander feels like he needs to be, you know, be whipped to, you know, give us a hundred percent. I did, I don't know. I, I don't like how that gets played out. Um, and that's why I think that in that sense, 
I would like to see the players kind of get treated the same. You know what I mean? Because I think it it dims it more for the guys where the, the, the spotlight goes right on if something like this happens to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that but again, like... Kind of I- all share that pile of shit as opposed to, you know, others seeming to take bullets for others. Again, I, I, I in, in a perfect world or in a where everyone's kind of the same, I think that that would make sense. But I just, Nylander's been here long enough where if he was bothered by anything that anyone said, coach, player, management, staff, media member, anyone, if he really got bothered by that, he would have been gone in the the year after he signed his deal because the shit that was said about him was like it, when you look back at it it's like frankly unforgivable you know what i mean like and it's unfair. like quite honestly like okay sh- unfair or not pat like if he was bothered by it he would have asked to leave a long time ago yeah a lot of players would have asked a lot of players would have asked to leave after that article was written by simmons the the ikea the ikea yeah. Uh, article when i forget what year it was maybe it was last year but yeah like he, year, if he yeah. would if he if he took offense to that he would have asked to be gone after that you know but what then, i mean but, then, but he just but doesn't, doesn't care that, so but the Go way like, the, does that not make him a better person and player for it and that i, I don't and, and that's the other thing that I, I think is the more i think about it is so you have one kid that seems to take everything to heart you have another kid that doesn't so to not offend the kid that takes everything to heart, you're going to be harder on the guy that doesn't give a shit. But eventually... Did we lose him again? Might have lost him again. So, okay, so I'll, I'll just jump in there then. Like, what I, I think what he's about to say, it makes complete sense. Is that why are you harder than on a guy that doesn't care? When, when shit, you know what oh, I mean? Like, I think... Oh. oh. Pat, we just lost you, I think, so... Oh, yeah, we lost a mid sentence there, but yeah, we lost your mid sentence there. Do you want to con- do you want to continue on where you were uh, when you were talking about being harder on the guy that doesn't give a shit? Yeah, just give me one second. I'm gonna try a different mic. Give me one second. Hello, am I am I better off now? Yeah, you're good. I think it was more of an internet connection rather than your mic. I think, but gotcha. No, I, right. I I think that you can really break down. You can grind over the course of time that that player that doesn't give a shit because and 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 i I, and i don't think you're doing anyone any good by protecting one and not the other because the one that can't be prodded there's going to come a point in his career that he's going to be prodded you know and we're at that point where we expect more from mitch in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like he's got to be able to absorb some of this negativity and have it kind of run off his back. Like I wanted to see more of Nylander in Marner where Marner just was like, you know what? It's a bad game. I own it. I got benched, you know, cause that's how you're, that's how you toughen someone up. You don't toughen them by coddling them. You know what I mean? Because there's going to come a time where if the Leafs bow out early this playoffs and he has another showing like last year, he's done. You know what I mean? Like he already caught a lot of heat after the last playoffs against Montreal. Can you imagine if he does the same back to back? And that's what I don't want to see happen. Well, you don't want to see it. Right. And the, and the unfortunate thing is we don't know that until the time comes. Um, And in saying that, look, Pat, you're, you're making complete sense here in terms of fairness, in terms of, like, it's, un, it's, it's unfair to Nylander to hold him to uh, or to treat him so differently just because of the t- different type of personality that he has. And it's also unfair – or, sorry, it's also, I think, doing Marner a disservice yes. by coddling him to the point where if – when if shit hits the fan, like how is he going to handle that? And we've been saying backbone. Yeah. And we've been saying that since the beginning of, since the end of last season is, and I know for sure that it was one of my biggest worries is how are you going to handle it when you're in the same situation again? Again. Because you're going to be there again. You know what I mean? 
if, and, and that was the biggest answer that management had to, or sorry, that was the biggest question management had to answer this off season. When you're in that game again, if you're in game seven again, because let me just throw a hypothetical out to you guys. If they went around this year and they're in game seven of the second round, let's say against Boston or Florida, you know what I mean? Let's say that it's a game seven and he flops. Let's just say, you know what I mean? Are we going to consider this season a success? No. Like in the second round? Yeah. Let, let's say they lose in game seven and they just have like a, a terrible showing in game seven of the second round. I think the apathy or is the, is apathy the right word? I just, I think that like people will just be done. Like they won't credit the team with a first round victory if oh. they, if they flop in game seven in I mean, the following round, you know what I mean? I think that's, I think that's kind of a harsh take if I'm being honest with you, because if, Maybe, they're, if they're going up but... against Florida and they're losing game seven and, and okay, Mitch has a flop, but they lose two, one in overtime in game, game seven. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, you know okay. I mean? like, yeah. You're, like, you're right. Day, so, game like, seven is a flip of a coin, right? Like let's, let's stop pretending like this, this team is I supposed under- to win the Stanley cup. They have a good chance to they're not supposed to. So yeah, again, it's subjective. If they get swept you're in the right. second round, then sure, yeah, the first round means nothing. You got swept. Lol, you, you prolonged your season by a yeah. week. Sick, but yeah. I think what I'm trying game, to say is game seven. I, I do see what you're trying to say. I was just trying to back them up. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it, like it when the moment counts, like when your season's on the line, because eventually they're gonna play mm-hmm. a game where their season's on the line. Like they're gonna have a period again. Like it's it's a hundred percent a fact. Yeah, it's, their a, it's season, a fact. Their season's gonna be on the line at some point this year. In the next six or no, whatever, but you know what? It's gonna happen. Six or seven months. Game what one. is he gonna do? If Game he's gonna one do the it, first round. That's that's that for him. How he comes out in game one in round one will tell me which Mitch we're getting this playoffs. Sure, if you're can, right. If you're can, right. That's right. Fair. Game one is his end of season. Right. It's either we're gonna see the Mitch from his first two years in the league and he'll, he'll be flying around. He'll be, you know, making plays and he'll be killing penalties and he'll be doing all the things that we loved about him in the, from his first two years in the playoffs and what he does in the regular season. Sorry to jump in, but like he's, he does that in the regular season too. Yeah. But I think for him as an individual with the pressure that's now mounting game one, round one, he comes out flying Remember, Anthony, we, we had this conversation when, when we were discussing confidence, right? And I said, mm. he could come out against Chicago and completely turn his season around. I called it. I legit yeah, called it. Yep. Right? I'm like, he, he's one good game away from flipping the entire narrative on himself in his head. Because it's not us against him. It's not the coaches or management or even the rival club. He is battling himself. So the first battle he's really going to, like come across because you have in the regular season. Yeah, it's great. He's, he's flying, but you have 82 games to find that version of yourself. You legit only have potentially four. If they lose four straight, you know what I mean? In an ideal world, maybe, you know, or seven, you know what I mean? Like depending on Mm -hmm. how the series plays out for him, it's going to be game one of round one. If he scores, if he sets up a, if he has a multi-point game, then I think he'll exhale and then we'll be fine. But it, it's, it's, it's literally a battle between his ears. But the only way you're ever going to overcome it is if your coaches and your teammates and everyone lets you go through it. Because that's the only way you're coming out the other side is you have to go through it. You have to break through it. And I don't like the coddling. I don't care it's the regular season. Because I think these little battles that he's going through will toughen him up for the playoffs. That's why he needs to face adversity now. Not when we need him to be 100%. It has to be now. I, I like that. I just think I like that point. Adversity. I think he's, he's seen it, but he hasn't person. thrived. Like, what more? Yeah, but what more? Like, what more does this guy... How, how much more adversity does this guy need to, to face to, tough, quote-unquote, toughen up? I don't think he necessarily needs to toughen up anymore. I just think he needs to just, just power through the adversity. And I don't think that's necessarily a shot at his yeah. character or, or, or his, his, his toughness, quote unquote. I, I'm just saying like. And look, it's he, not a, it's not he, a character assassination. 
Sorry, let me just no. jump in there. And when like, he finally his, his lock, it, like, his... where is he? Exactly. You go, you go, you go. I was about to say, just quickly, his inability to remain confident when it's tough is not a character assassination. It's just, unfortunately, for no, he needs fans, to it's, it's, just, it, it's just his growth. Like, he needs yeah. to just become, like, a, 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 a man that just realizes that this is this is a situation and he's just got to fall through and unfortunately with hockey it, it takes like it's a it's literally as simple as a bounce or a puck going off your ass or any of that shit but like all that needs to happen at the right time but in order for him to do that he needs to continue to put himself in situation not not sorry he needs to find confidence within himself not within anyone else you know what I think that's maybe I might be misreading you Pat but Luke I think that's what Pat's trying to say is like he he if the coach benches him that should not affect him do you know what I mean he needs to believe in himself to talk to to power through that you know what I mean to be challenged now where the consequences aren't as big. But don't just bench him for the sake of benching no, him. No, no, like, if he's having no. a bad game, bench him. Like if well, he's yeah, well, sure. you're not just going to sit him. You know what I mean? Like, let the punishment fit the crime. And I think that's what will harden him. That I don't, like, and Anthony, I said this when we were having this conversation just before the Chicago game. He's never been challenged. He's always been one of the best people on the ice right now he's hitting adversity and he's not used to it so the only way you're ever gonna you know manage I, I think this so. and handle yeah. this is to allow yourself to go through it and we can't be coddling him because you can't like that maturity and that personal growth no one can just give you you know what i mean like it's like it's like watching like those boxers or those professional wrestlers that used to blade themselves and then over time like their skin hardened you know what i mean like you have to go through those battle scars for your skin to harden. And I really do think that that really applies to Mitch. Luke, did you have something to say there? Sorry, I did cut you off. No, that honestly, it's been sad. It's truthfully been sad. I think so, we're all, I think at the end of the day, we all just want to see Mitch succeed. I think that's evident. Yeah. Cause we, we do deep down. We do all like him. Like there's no chance that anybody can say they don't. He's a great hockey player, no, I would never he's a good him. personality and he's a Toronto boy. So we all want to see him succeed. Is no no one's bashing him in the sense where it's it's a shot of his character or his personality. But maybe, maybe Pat is right. Maybe he does need to just genuinely toughen up, and we'll see where yeah. it comes from. He's living. He's living everyone's. He's living every fan's dream from Toronto, especially and everyone. And I think deep down, you 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 inject everyone with truth serum and Leafs Nation. The guy that is gonna other than Tavares because he's the captain. I think there's a very short, short, uh, short list of players on this team that people want to see lift the cup ahead of Mitch. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. he does it, it's going to feel like, look, this guy was drafted by the team. This guy signed long-term with the team, albeit like a very controversial negotiation. And it's his own fault for the way they went about it. Like I'm not d- excusing him of that, but he his success will breed through the, this fan base like no other, I think. And anything negative that, or any negative narrative that is around Mitch, it, un, unfairly or fairly, it was brought on by him through that contract negotiation. But it's up to him now to put it in the past. You know what I mean? His play will make people forget about all that. So he needs to find. He needs to put that away now and put it in his. Put it in the drawer. Lock it up. Forget about it, and just play. Doesn't matter who you play with. You're an eleven million dollar player. Yeah. Whoever you play with, where you play, all that. It's just the situation is the situation. Fight through it. He yeah. has support. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just got to battle through it. And and, not, and, but... and no one's going to fault him for effort. If he, if he no. tries hard and the puck doesn't go in and he makes the right plays and he doesn't make any stupid mistakes, no one's going to fault him for that. No one will. You know what I mean? They might have to trade him for lack of results, but his legacy won't be tarnished if he just gives it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and when I say, like, he needs to be taught a lesson, like, I'm not, like, it's not even about punishment, but that's how life works. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter what walk of life or what career you choose. You become a better version of yourself when you overcome things. You know what I mean? Like, no one's life is perfect. No one's career is perfect. Everyone goes through hurdles. You know, in my professional job, you know, I'm in sales. You know, there are months where I shit the bed. You know what I mean? But what's made me a more consistent in my job is my ability to now be able to ride those waves. You know what I mean? Like my low month isn't going to sink me, but I'm not I'm like, I'm not going to those extremes where my lows are so low and my highs are so high. You know what I mean? Like you find that balance. And then in that finding that balance, you find that consistency and it's in him. I, I truly believe in the player, but I, I think that he needs to go through whatever journey he's on to overcome the playoff yip or yips that he gets is he has to go through it. Like, maybe some of the little lessons are that come through the regular season, but I just, I just, I want to see a different dynamic from him and it's in him to find it. But I, I just don't think the coddling helps is essentially where I'm at with him. Exactly. Do we want to end off on Clifford, Kyle Clifford yes. boys? Yeah. Well, you know what? We're, we're actually like an hour into this podcast. So we definitely want to touch on, you know, yesterday's trade uh, that the lease made to acquire Kyle Clifford um, you know, some people were, you know, it didn't seem to make sense. Others were very quick to point out that it essentially is just like a depth move. Um, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, the, the reacquisition of Kyle Clifford and, you know, where he might slot, you know, as we turn the page to 2022 and maybe even into the playoffs. I, I, I just think that he's, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off with saying that a very low risk move, he's a waiver exempt now for I think 30 days or so because he cleared it uh, as of Tuesday. So I think that's why the Leafs waited instead of just claiming him on waivers. If they claimed him, then they would have to send him through waivers again. Excuse me. uh, If they wanted to have him play in the AHL, but uh, he, Keith, uh, Keith, uh, I believe mentioned that he spent some time on the COVID list. He's only played like two games or something this year. So I think it's smart. Get him in the Marlies, have him playing some games. Keith clearly likes him. They tried to sign him after they traded for him. And I think that he is going to just be again, like the left-handed version of a Simmons, but instead of playing maybe some spot duty on the power play, he's going to, probably offer some PK time. And I think he is a, he's a center that plays PK, which is actually very helpful because that means Jason Spezza doesn't have to uh, go on and just take spot face-offs on the PK, which he's not meant to do anyways. So overall, I think it's just a very low risk move. The blues did him a favor instead of sending him to Massachusetts in the AHL, they, uh, they send or like Springfield mass. They, they send him back to Toronto for future considerations and, he gets to go back to his hometown, take his family there, and be comfortable. Yeah, I, I don't have an, al- an analysis like that. I don't know, don't care. Fourth line player, yeah. don't even think, don't even think he'll be on the Leafs, but I'm all in. I like Kyle Clifford. I just don't even know if he'll even get any playing time. I'm not going to look too much into it. Anthony's one million percent right in everything he said. I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. If he plays sweet, I think he's a better Nick Ritchie, a cheaper Nick Ritchie. We'll on the fourth happens. line, though. On the, yeah, four, on the fourth, fourth line, yeah. you know, Just he gets fair. in game two of the playoffs because uh, they need a little bit more grit. Sure. I mean, yeah. cheap. Bring it on. Low yeah, key, it. Just, it's, it's just some fun move. stuff. He, we, uh, he's got a – they better film the Mrazic thing. I'm stealing the tweet from Steve Dangle, but not to bring up – or end the podcast on, uh, on and open up old wounds, but he's the guy that knocked out Mrazic, who uh, – Oh, who when really? he went out when Mrazek went out in that Carolina game? I think you boys yeah. both know where I'm getting there. David yeah, Ayers yeah. came in. David Ayers, that's hilarious. Uh, a gentleman from my old high school. He yep. went to Father Leo J. Austin and Whitby. So I actually I knew David. He was actually in one, a couple of my classes back in my high school yeah. days. 
Really? Did he say that yeah. he was going to single-handedly embarrass the, the No, the we didn't know that at then? the time. We didn't know that at the time. He was actually a really, really down-to-earth, really great guy. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny when I when – because I, I was like, there's no way it's the same guy. And when I looked, I was like, oh, my God, it is the same guy. So, yeah, it's actually – it's a pretty cool story, Not you know, even though it did embarrass the Leafs. But, you know, it is a pretty cool story. And, and I know Dave's done a lot of really good things for, you know, a lot of charitable work um, that's come – of that experience. So, you know, good on him for helping others. So. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, gentlemen, this has been great. Uh, you know, before we wrap up this podcast, I just want to say thank you to our sponsors, FOCO and uh, you know, the great team at the counselor on queen West, um, you know, two really great groups of people and that we're really happy to uh, have them support us. And I, you know, gentlemen, I guess we, we turn to, you know, another busy weekend for the Leafs, you know, they play the Rangers, I guess, you know, it'd be tonight, the day of the, you know, the pod, this podcast going live. And then they have the game on the weekend. So we have a lot more hockey to discuss, uh, this to discuss next week. So thanks very much, uh, for hopping on the podcast, gentlemen. As always, thanks, boys. See you next week. See you next week. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. Thanks to our listeners again. Take care. Later, guys.